teacher, lead us, guide us into all truth. Bring back to our remembrance what the word has spoken unto us. And I thank you, Father, that I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And Father, on tonight, I thank you that our hearts are open, God, so we can be transformed and changed, God, and renewed in our minds on tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're back in action, huh? Since we're back in action, I'm going to see who want to come up and everybody looking now. Everybody had enough time to go over everything we went over dealing with the gifts. Amen. Everybody looking at me like, say what? Um, We're going to go into a um, new teaching on tonight. Um, The last thing that we went over was um, the gifts of the spirit. And the last three that we went over um, was the power gifts, which was um, working of miracles, the gift of healing and the gifts of faith. And we took a test on that, so that completed all the gifts of the Spirit. And we give God glory, honor, and praise that people done well on that. Amen? And tonight, what I want to go over, and I want everybody to understand dealing with Clem training school, how important it is to grab hold to what's being taught. Because when you grab hold to what's being taught, wherever you go, you're going to know the difference. You're going to know whether or not things are done according to God's pattern. This is why we went over the pattern of God, the order of the church, because when you know how God wants things to be here on earth, no matter where you go, you're going to know if it's right or not. You're going to know if you need to be participating in things that's outside of the will of God. It is so many people running different places, and the reason why people run different places is because some people go because they want a word. They get lazy and they want somebody to speak into their lives. How many know that somebody can speak into your life and at that moment you bubbling over with joy? But then when you go back home, you get right back in that same place that you were in before. God will give someone a word for you, a word of knowledge, something that's presently going on in your life. He will give them a word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, telling what kind of spirit that's coming to attack you he'll let you know if it's a good spirit or a bad spirit god is such a good god he know what we need when we need it but if you don't know the difference when someone is coming to you they could be um under a familiar spirit and i want to go back over to a familiar spirit because if you don't know the difference you'll fall for anything and i'm seeing church folks fall for anything and everything And the reason being is because the church have gotten lazy, the church have gotten slowful, the body of Christ don't want to get in the word no more, they just want somebody to give them a word, but they're not getting in the word. If you don't get into the word of God, anybody can come through town and be doing signs and wonders and you would think it's God and it's not God. And the Bible proves that. It could be false teachers amongst you, it could be false teachers. Uh, teachers, false prophets, false apostles. It can be people that look like and sound like they're in the fivefold, but that's not what God had called them to do. From what I'm seeing now in this last days, you're seeing more people trying to grab folks based on, I got a word for you. This is what God is saying in your life. Please get in the word of God for yourself. 
so you can get to know him for yourself because God loves you so much. He don't want you to be led, led astray by anybody. And then some people get notions of thinking that God is telling them something, and it's not God. It's the enemy using that person to get that person to grab other people that don't know, that's unlearned, and then they get caught up in a whirlwind. And when you get caught up in a whirlwind, I'm going to be honest with you, it's hard for you to come out because sometimes when you get caught up, you end up open doors to the enemy that leads to certain things that were not going on in your life. And some things I experienced when I was out there trying to look for a word because I was lazy. And then I got caught up in some things that were not of God. But God loved me so much, he showed me what was wrong with the person I was hanging around. That's just how much God loved you, but it's up to you to come out from amongst them. It's too many people out there now trying to be a prophet. And don't you know what a prophet is? But they always say, I'm a prophet. If you don't want to take my word, and they can't even tell you about being a prophet. Remember, everybody that prophesied, that does not mean that they are prophet. We went through that. So all of this training that you're getting it is not just for you to sit on this training. It's for you to be able to recognize who's around you, what's around you, so you won't be getting into things that you should not be getting in. God is making disciples of men, meaning that he has given you a place that you can come into to be taught by the fivefold. So when you go out and you're ministering to the people of God, you're knowing how to minister based upon what you have been taught, what you have learned. If you are going out and you're not in the word and you're just going out because somebody said you're a prophet or you this, that, or the other, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be just like them seven sons of Sceva. You're going to be running naked and bruised. So be careful at what people are telling you because sometimes the enemy want to take you away from what you have. He wants you to leave out of a place where you're getting taught to put you up under a place that is not of God. So God is saying this for a reason. And this is not where I wanted to start, but I believe it's the um, leading of the Holy Spirit to let someone know in this place. Be careful who you're talking to. Be careful what you're taking in based on what they're saying. Because if you're not in the word of God for yourself, and I'm going to say this because it's, it's coming. Facebook. Be careful who you befriend on Facebook. Everybody that sounds good is not of God. You got false religion on Facebook. You got people that um, act like they're talking the Bible, but they're not. You got people that saying they're prophets and people are following these people just because they're saying the right thing at the right time and they're living outside of the word of God. God will let you know who's for him and who's against him. But so many people is checking in on Facebook. Amen. Do you know what you amen to? Yeah, that's right. Amen. And you giving that, that person more and more ammunition to keep doing what they're doing. Because they're trying to get followers, y'all. It's people that's getting caught up on Facebook with people that are not of God. And they're following their advice and trying to do what they're telling them to do. And it sounds right because some of them are operating under a familiar spirit. A familiar spirit is a spirit that gets familiar with you. The enemy send that familiar spirit to watch you to see your weaknesses, to see the things that you're weak in. And that spirit will watch you to the point that it will use somebody, go whisper in their ear to prophesy to you, and you'll be like, yeah, that's me, that's me. 
But that's what a familiar spirit does. So remember, what you're getting taught in here is going to help you to recognize what's going on around you. You have to be able to know who's speaking into your life because everybody that's speaking into your life is not about the Father's business. Let's don't get lazy when it comes to the Word of God. The Word of God is what's going to keep you. The Word of God is what's going to show you who's of God and who's not. And that's what I love so much about the word of God. It keeps me in a place and it keeps me distant. And, and I'll say this. Many people know me, but I don't know them. And the reason why, because God don't allow me to be in the midst of a lot of people. He never have. He may introduce me to people, but after the introduction, he don't have me hanging around them too much. And this is what you got to be careful of. Sometimes the enemy try to set you up to get you into something that God don't want you to be in. Now, I know God is bringing this word in the house for a reason. So I don't know who's, who the word is for, but take heed because he don't just bring it like that for no reason. And understand who you up under and understand that when you up under a good shepherd, God going to use that shepherd to warn you. Because God want to protect his sheep. And this is why you have sheep wandering astray. Because they don't have a house to go into. Because the houses are getting divided. Because you have people that don't like what's going on in this house. So they're going over to this house. And that's because they're not content in the things of God. If one thing is said out the way, then they don't want to be part of that house no more. So you have to be careful who you talk to because whoever you have talked to, guess what? God is going to let me know, point blank. So saying all that to say this, we're going to get into our next teaching. Amen. And remember to keep your hearts open because God is teaching you about the pattern of the church and the way that God do things so you will know how it's done and why it's done that way. I give God glory. Y'all some special people. Y'all special because I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't have all this. Jennifer is my witness. I didn't get all that I'm giving you guys. I didn't get it. And I wanted it so bad, but I didn't get it. And God has given you a person to give you what you need so you won't wonder and so you won't be all over the place. So you won't be scattered trying to find God. God is right here right now because he's in you. He said he'll never leave you or forsake you. And if you out looking for a prophet or you on Facebook trying to find a word or you saying, God, have somebody to call me, you ain't where you need to be in God. Oh, I know God is talking tonight for some reason. You're not where you need to be in God because if you cannot wait on God to hear what God has to say to you and you still out looking for a word, you ain't satisfied with the God you already have because God will not lead you astray. He will give you everything that you need for him to give you. I'm going to tell you, it's times that in my life, I, I don't call people. I know y'all may see me, me and Apostle, we, we talk and everything. But, you know, when we talk, it's dealing with Jesus. We talk dealing with Jesus. But I go to God and say, God, this is what I'm concerned about. I remember it was one night about a week ago I had a concern. And the enemy, he'll be trying to bring fear even with your concerns, and he want to turn that into worry. So I say, God, I don't know about this, but you know all things, so you're going to have to answer me. You're going to have to tell me what's going on. Y'all, this is no lie. The moment I said it and I asked God, 
and I was laying in the bed, and my husband didn't know nothing. The Holy Spirit told me exactly what was going on. And I said, thank you, Father. Thank you. That's exactly what it is. And I went to sleep. Didn't have the problem again. Why am I telling you this? Because, y'all, if you don't trust God now, you're not going to trust him when things come. You got to have a trust so much for God that it may look this way, but you're saying this is what God has to say. Because we're going to have things, all of us, that's going to come against us. And if you don't have nothing to come against you, you must already be translated. I ain't going to lie to you. You you must be a spirit already. If you don't have nothing to come against you, you already done been to heaven. You in heaven and nobody see you down here on earth. Because everybody in this room, if it ain't your kids, it's your husband. If you ain't your husband, it's your wife. And if it ain't them, it's your job. If it ain't that, you're going through physically. If you ain't going through physically, you're going through spiritually. If you ain't going through spiritually, going through mentally, emotionally, you're going to go through something as long as you're here on this earth. But God got us covered. And if we take what God has already done and use it when those things come, we can stand. That's why Paul says stand. And then again, he said doing all stand. And then he's telling you to stand again. But he said you got to have on the whole armor to stand. And we've been taught on the whole armor. So if we're wearing our whole armor, no matter what comes, we got a helmet of protection to protect our mind because we know in who we are in Christ. We got a belt of truth to hold up that what? Breastplate of righteousness. We got the sword of the spirit. We got the shoes of peace. We got all of this, but if you don't know what you have, you're wide open for the enemy. And I believe God says some of us are just as wide open as we can be. Our door is open and he's just coming in. Bringing anything he want to bring because the biggest door that's open in the body of Christ is money. Because the love of money is the root of all kind of evil. People have er um, erred from the faith because of money. And when you allow money to come at you, you bring in all types of evil. Only thing he have to do, you have a money problem. He said, boys, just line up. Now I'm going to open the door. I'm going to start with this money thing. And you just stay right back there, and the door going to be open as soon as I bring this in, dealing with money. That's what money does. So we have to make sure that we take these teachings not lightly. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. Some of y'all, or the majority of y'all, have taken what I have been teaching lightly. How do I know this? Because they're supposed to be changed. When you're getting taught like this, and that teaching is in you, no matter where you go or who you're around, it ain't no longer you no more. Because you representing him. Y'all, we don't represent us no more. We don't, when we go out, we're not representing us. We're representing Christ. It ain't about me going out and say, I grabbed five people today. It's about me sharing what I know. And by me giving them the good news, they want what I have because they know the love of God that's coming from me. But if I'm going out trying to do it myself, it's not going to work. I'm going to get tired. I'm going to get frustrated. I'm going to be confused. I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to be oppressed because I'm feeling like I didn't win as many souls as Julia did. She told me she won five. I didn't win none. So it ain't about that. It's about who you represent and about knowing who you are and the authority that you have in Christ.
Don't let nobody tell you any different. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what the enemy is trying to do in your life, you need to stand tall and say, this is who I am now that, I, that I'm in Christ. This is who I was. But now that I am in Christ, I'm a new what? Old things have what? And behold, all things have become new. People should be beholding the new that's coming forth from you because you know old is gone. Amen? Let's start out with communion. And I know some of y'all say, I already know about communion. I already know about what it is. But this is a part of the training because the more you know, the more you can grow in the things of God. And believe it or not, before Jesus come, all of the word of God, we're not going to have it. Because God keep giving revelation concerning the word, even scriptures we already read. God end up giving you more, even dealing with those scriptures. So let's look at communion. When we look at communion, I'm going to tell you what communion is. It is a fellowship of believers by which they gather together to remember the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a fellowship of believers by which they gather together to remember the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we look at the word communion, that's union in there. That means we're coming together on one accord. We're coming together in fellowship. And what we're coming together to do is to remember the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, of what he have done. So that's, that's what communion is. And the scripture that I want to give you is 1 Corinthians 10, 16. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? See, that's saying about communion. It's a fellowship where you're coming together, where you're putting yourself in remembrance of what he has already done. Remember, you're putting yourself into remembrance of what he has already done. It's not what you're going to do doing communion. It's putting you in remembrance of what he's already done. The thing is, when you're taught on communion, when someone is doing communion, or even if you're doing it at home, you know what you have been taught. And you're learning from what you've been taught. So if you go out and someone is doing things outside of the word, you're going to know I can't participate in that. Because that's not what the word of God says. Sometimes we participate in things so we won't look ignorant. Or we don't want people to think we don't know. So we go ahead and do what they're doing. So we won't look like an ugly duckling in the room. But anything that's outside of the word, you don't participate in it when you know what's right. You do not participate in that. And I think some people um, look at me funny sometimes because when something ain't right, I'm not going to participate in that. Either I'm going to bring correction to that or either I'm going to leave and not be a part of that. Because when you are part of something that's not right and you know it's not right, and even though you're not going to participate in it, you still sitting there like it's okay. You don't do that because anytime you do that, people are going to say, oh, they, they um, think that they're, they're right. Now, sometimes you may be in a situation where you can't walk out the room. Amen? Because I'm going to be honest with y'all. I have been on pulpits, and I ain't saying I'm no better than nobody else. But if they saying something wrong or doing something wrong, I don't sit there and say, hallelujah, amen. Amen, preach. Nope. I will not do it. You can call me conceited. You can call me stuck up. You can call me whatever you want to call me. I ain't saying no, it is so to what's not so. 
So when you do stuff like that, people look at you like you agreeing with what they're saying, and then they put you amongst those type people. You don't do that. You stand for what's right. Holy Spirit, give me an example. Remember um, Paul and remember Peter. Remember Peter had his time with the Gentiles, and God told him that everything that he made was clean, but there was a separation between Jews and Gentiles. But God opened the door to the Gentiles, and he made it plain unto Peter. So Peter went unto the Gentiles, and he presented the gospel unto them. But then when he got round the big wigs, he started acting like he didn't know nothing about it. Oh, Paul now. I love Paul. Paul stood up and said, wait a minute now. You were doing this before with them, and now you acting like, come on, Paul. Paul stood up to Peter. But we got people that we feel like we cannot stand up to. Because we feel like, okay, I can't stand up to them because they're apostle. I can't stand up to them because they're a prophet. No, if it's not truth, then you have to stand up for what's right. Holy Spirit, just bringing me examples. I'm going to use my mother. My dad told me this, and I didn't know my mother because um, she died when I was younger. She went to a service, and the man that was doing the service was her own dad. And when she went to that service and he was teaching, she said, John, she didn't call him daddy. She said, John, tell the truth. So he kept on teaching, and she looked at him. She said, John, tell the truth. And he said, be quiet, Judith. She wouldn't hush. She said, tell the truth. So he called her up to the altar. And God began to use her. Now, some people would say that was out of order. No, it wasn't. Because if God was using her to say, you got to tell the truth because he was leading the people astray, she didn't look at him as daddy. She looked at him as coming with false teaching to these people, and it need to be some correction. So when he called her up, God moved in the midst of the room. People were healed, delivered, and set free. It was so much of God in that room. They took pictures. Daddy said they took pictures, and the pictures didn't even come out because God moved so much in that room through her healing people. Daddy said people were running out the room. The glow over her head, I missed that part. She had it around her head. So this is what I'm saying, y'all. God is doing something in this room for a reason. He's letting you know you don't go for everything. You got to be in his presence, to know him. So when you go somewhere, God is forever with you. He's not going to leave you, and he's not going to let you be in the midst of something that's not right. I thank God for people that stand up for what is not right, and they bring correction. God love you so much. He want to bring correction because you will take that very word that somebody is saying, you will take it out the room, you will give it to somebody else, and then it will keep um, going and going and going and going, and it's not truth. It is a lie. So stay in the word of God. And then if you don't understand what a person is saying, that does not mean that they're not in truth. But you need to get understanding yourself. You need to come to that person and say, I don't understand what you're saying. Could you help me with that? Because if you go out and talk against that person and you couldn't get understanding, you're going to put that person out there because God gave them that revelation. He didn't give it to you. He gave it to them. Amen. So dealing with this communion, we know it's a fellowship and it's a sharing, it's a participation where we come together on one accord. This is what we're doing now. We're coming together on one accord so we can learn about communion. So when we do go out, we will know what communion is. So we 
Got the scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, 16. Now, what are some of the titles given for communion? I'm going to give you some of the titles and give you the scripture on it. There's a title, the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty. People call it the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty. People call it the Lord's Table. 1 Corinthians 10, 21. The Lord's Table. 1 Corinthians 10, 21. And then there's communion. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, which I went over. So you're going to see these words in the Bible, and you're going to know what this means. It's actually communion. It's actually coming together. But there is a word that some people call it, and I know y'all heard that word in here. Let's get ready for sacrament. El no. She says it's time for sacrament. That's what sacrament mean. It, it mean a holy communion. So when you hear her say that, El no, stand up here. I see her right now. We're going to get ready for sacrament. And some people probably say, what in the world is a sacrament? It's something holy. And the Catholic Church actually used that. They had seven things that they considered as sacrament. And their sacrament in those seven things was water baptism, it was communion, it was marriage, and it was a few more other things. But they called it a sacrament because they looked at it as, the you know, holy and that's where, where you get to that when people say, if you're not water baptized, you can't go to heaven. <laughs> that's what they say. If you don't get dipped under that water, you're going to hell. And you got to do this in order to get Jesus done it all, y'all. And the day that you accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit actually baptized you into the body of Christ. But that water baptism is letting people know that you are partaking of what Christ has done. When you're getting dipped in the water, you're burying the old, and you're coming up a new creation in Christ Jesus. It is symbolic. So if you don't get baptized and something happened, don't let people make you feel as if you ain't going to heaven. Amen? Or if Jesus come before you get dipped in that water, don't think that you're going to get left behind. Amen? So we got um, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, Communion, and then it's called Sacrament. Now we're going to talk about who instituted the communion. Who instituted the communion, and we know who did that. The Lord Jesus Christ instituted this service at the Feast of Passover. Jesus is the one that instituted this, and we can, I'm going to give you some um, scriptures in the book of Matthew. It's Matthew 26, 26 through 29. It can also be found in Mark 14, 22 through 26. It can also be found in Luke 22, 15 through 20. Don't try to keep up with my voice. You're going to be lost, and I can't be slowing down for you. You got to go back to live. Amen. 1 Corinthians 11, 25. I will be nice and repeat it again. Because some of y'all determined to write it down. Matthew 26, 26 through 29. Mark 14, 22 through 26. Luke 22, 15 through 20. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. And in these scriptures, this is the reason we have it. This is dealing with Jesus... Um, instituting um, communion. Everybody got those? 
Now, you have no excuse. It has been established by four witnesses, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then I gave you 1 Corinthians 11.25. That's Paul. But guess what happened with Paul? Y'all know Paul was not with Jesus, right? So Paul had to get this um, thing on communion through revelation. He received it from the Lord, and he got revelation on how communion could, um, should be. Remember Jesus, he did it with his disciples, and he went through all that. When you read through those scriptures, you will see how Jesus brought it forth to those disciples. But then Paul, he got revelation on it because, look, he hadn't been with Jesus. So guess how we get our revelation? When we go back into the word of God, and we begin to meditate on that word of God, and we begin to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us, that means to make known, we begin to get insight, we begin to get illumination, and then we can present what God has given us. You can give them the written word, what's written. But when that word begins to speak to you, that is rhema. That is God speaking to you from what's written. So the more you get into the word and the more your heart is turned towards God, God is going to end up opening up these scriptures. He's going to end up making known these scriptures unto you so you'll be able to bring it forth to someone else. So when someone come up to you and say, hey, did you have sacrament um, this Sunday? You be, huh, who, what? Did, do y'all take sacrament in your church? And you'll be looking at them like you crazy. <laughs> but now you know some of the words. Or they say, did you have the Lord's Supper? Huh, I had dinner. What are you talking about? Did you sit at the Lord's table? What are you talking about? So see, God is telling you all the terms that would be used. And some of y'all probably saying, Apostle, I know that. Well, God is just trying to bring stuff back to your remembrance. That's all. So if people come before you, you won't try to look. You won't be looking ignorant. You know what they're saying because some people use these terms. And we see that Jesus um, gave it to his disciples. And we see that Paul in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, God was giving him insight dealing with communion. And he was presenting it to the Corinthians. Now, what are the symbols used in the communion? What are the symbols used in the communion? Is this too much for you tonight? Y'all want me to stop there? Okay, what are the symbols? These are the symbols. The first one is the table. 1 Corinthians 10, 21 and Luke twenty two thirty. 30, the table. Now I want to talk about the table. Y'all see this table sitting right here? That table say what? Okay, y'all know that's what the communion table is, right? So you see in churches these, these tables up front, right? And these tables are to remind you of what Jesus has done on our behalf, right? But some people look at these tables holy, meaning that you don't touch it, you don't lean up against it, you don't touch this table because this is holy unto the Lord. See, these are the rituals and things that people use to say that you want to show respect to these things. And I agree in a way. But you don't put a table um, before people to make people think that that table is so sacred that if they walk by it and touch it, they're going to die. Truth. I remember this. I'll tell you this. Me and my husband went to this church, and my husband had to walk past someone to get somewhere, and he come on the pulpit. They stopped him. 
They said, you don't come up here. You remember that? I remember. They told him he couldn't come across that pulpit. You don't come across that pulpit. This is holy ground. These are the things that you hear in churches today because they feel like if anybody come on this pulpit except me or who God put on this pulpit, you don't supposed to be here. He said, be ye holy because I am holy. That's in your manner of living. But you are holy because of Jesus, not because of the pulpit. You don't want to come up here and be running and disrespecting God's house. Y'all, we don't want to do that. Anything that's in God's house from this pulpit out here to the chairs, to the walls, or whatever, we don't want to disrespect it. We want to keep it in an orderly manner, right? So we want to let people know you just don't sit your house. You respect your house. You ain't going to have people to sit a cup on one of your tables and that cup got a lot of ice in it and water getting all over your table. That's like, come on now. That's, that's just very disrespectful. You don't want to do that in somebody's house. So you don't want to disrespect if all of us had sodas and we just set them all up here and water running all down here. It ain't because this table is holy. It's showing respect for what you have. And I know some people would be a theoloft. Don't make no sense. I, I, I know they ain't leave that mess right there. Then Sister Niece would just, uh, I'm tell you what she would do. She probably cut them out. Lord, have mercy. And they said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, it's all right. It's all right, baby. But it wasn't all right. Everybody have a way of dealing with different things. That's what I'm saying. But that's a table. And we don't want to look at that table like it's so holy that you're going to burn up or something's going to happen to you because you touched that table. So in communion, the symbols of communion is the table. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 21 and Luke 22:30. 30. And then you have the bread. Y'all know there's bread. Why? Because that bread represents what? The body, Jesus Christ's body. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, Luke 22, 19. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, Luke 22, 19. Then you have the wine. Let me explain that. The wine, the fruit of the vine. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, Luke 22, 17 through 20. The wine, 1 Corinthians 10, 16, Luke 22, 17 through 20. These are the symbols dealing with communion. Let me go back to the wine, and I'm going to give you this example. We went to this church before, and it was doing communion. Y'all, some real wine back there. <laughs> back there in that pastor's office. Real wine that they use for a sacrament. <laughs> anyway, don't you know a lot of people will come commune on that Sunday? <laughs> and be like, that's some good fruit of the vine. Give me some of that. Because some people feel like they can use real wine to have communion, right? But how many people you think would be in there jolly, more jolly than others? Because they had the real juice. <laughs> so anyway, on that point, let's look at what is the meaning of the symbols. So I gave you the symbols. You got the table, you got the bread, and you got the wine. What is the meaning of the symbols? Let's talk about the table. Now, when we look at the table, this is a place of love and fellowship, sharing and communing. It is the family's table. 
a love feast, a meal. And y'all remember in the um, tabernacle, it was showbread that was on the table. Let me give it to you again. This is, a, this is a place of love and fellowship, sharing and communion. It is the family table, a love feast, a meal. And it reminds me, y'all, how many of y'all, you don't have to say, but when you have dinner and the family come to the table. Now, you know, some people do, some people don't. Some people put the table, a little table in front of them, but it's something in front of them where they can have that meal together as a family. Some families get around the table, they commune together um, while they're having their meal, they talk about their day, it's a time of fellowship. Miracle Temple, you know what we did Saturday? All of us was around the table. We didn't cook the food, but we had fellowship. We communed together. We were on one accord. So when we have um, communion and it's on this table, we know we're getting ready to fellowship. We know we're getting ready. It's like a, a feast, a love feast. It's a family that's sharing and getting ready to participate with one another. We should see ourselves as a family that's coming together for the same purpose, for the same cause. So that's what that table represents. And this is Leviticus 24, 5 through 9. And this is talking about um, the table, dealing with the table. And Matthew 23, I mean, um, Psalms 23, 5, it talks about that the Lord is preparing a table in the presence of my enemies. See, the table's already prepared. This is dealing with um, the Lord is my shepherd and how he lead his sheep. When you look at a shepherd, this is what happened when he's dealing with the table. When he's feeding the sheep, he prepared the food. Each sheep have their food laid out before them. And after they eat their food, then they're going to take their rest. And this is what a shepherd does. The shepherd will lay in front of the door. So the, the animals or whoever won't come in there after the sheep. He's like protecting those sheep. So when we look at he's prepared that table for us, Jesus did that, didn't he? Jesus prepared that table. That table was already made ready for us because of what Jesus done. So we have to look at, when we look at communion, when we going through all of this, it's bringing us into remembrance of what he's already done. When you look at Revelations 3.20, y'all know this. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And, you know, let me in. I want to sup with you. That word sup means I want to have a meal with you. And when you have a meal, you at the table. So when we look at communion and we see that table, we're reminded of how we come together as a family and how we're participating and how we're sharing the same thing that our loving father done for us on our behalf that we did not have to do. Isn't that awesome? I don't know about y'all, but with grandmama, we can always, we always knew grandma had already prepared that table. She already had that food laid out. And I know Joe back there just smiling. He probably thinking of mama, how she preparing them lunches every day. He can smile going to bed. He can smile getting up because he know what mama is going to already do. Isn't that wonderful? So when we think about what God has already done for us, how he's already prepared this meal for us. And he said, the only thing I want you to do is come participate. And what I have already done for you. Let's share from this table what the Lord has done for you through laying down his life. You didn't have to do nothing. He said, just participate in what I've done. Y'all, we should be every day 
getting before him and getting ready for this communion, not to get something because we already have it, but each time we do it, it's bringing us into remembrance of what he has done. Amen? So that's the table, the bread. This represents his broken body, in which all of us know this in Matthew 26, 26. It fulfills the body of the Passover lamb and all other sacrificial bodies of animals under the Old Testament times and covenant. This represents his broken body, Matthew 26, 26. It fulfills the body of the Passover lamb and all other sacrificial bodies of animals under the Old Testament times and covenant. And in John 6, 48 through 56, you can read through that, which is talking about Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So we know that that bread represent his body, which was broken for us. Amen. Let's talk about the wine. This represents his blood, which, which was significant for the new covenant. Matthew 26, 27. Let me give you more scriptures. Matthew 26, 27. Mark 14, 24. Mark 14, 24. Luke 22, 20. Luke 22, 20. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five. His blood was for the remission of sins. So we went over the the bread we went over the table the bread we went over the wine so you know what each one of those things mean and y'all we're not near finished so i'm gonna stop there so i want you to meditate on all of that because by the time we get finished with this we'll have a more understanding of communion and how communion is supposed to be and how we don't take it lightly and why they call it the lord's supper the lord table uh, sacrament communion you can understand why they use these terms and we won't be ignorant to these things no more amen to God be the glory for what he's bringing to the body of Christ so if you know God is bringing more to what you know and if you don't know it's helping you to know so don't get get arrogant where you saying I don't need this I already know all this so things that we know we will start doing amen And then when somebody doing it, we will know what's behind what they are doing. And to God be the glory. Thank God for what he's teaching us and for what God is doing and what he has already done. So I think I gave you enough for tonight for you to meditate on it. So when we add more to it, we won't have Bible study next Tuesday. Merry Christmas. We know that's Christmas. So, but we'll have it after that, so it's giving you enough time to really meditate on it. So when we go back in it, all of us will be on one accord. Y'all, I'm so grateful for what God is doing for Miracle Temple. I really am, because God, I'm telling you, he's doing a great work, and he continued to do a great work, and he's just putting all of us on one accord. And I'm telling you, when we come together in union and unity, there's nothing that we cannot do, because we are one body in Christ. Amen? Um, I want to ask you guys this. I wanted to change Bible study to 7 o'clock on Tuesdays. Would that be good for everybody? Is everybody in agreement for 7? Yeah, we was doing it at 8 o'clock before because we was giving people enough time to get home and do what they have to do and then come out um, here for Clem School. But if you all in agreement, the next time we will meet will be at 7 o'clock. Now, if you come at 8, we might be gone. 
So just come on, you be by your lonesome. Now I'm telling you, I'm going to repeat this again. I'm going to repeat it slow. We will be having clear every Tuesday at 7 o'clock p.m. If you come at 8, you will be late. And nobody won't be here. Everybody got it? All right, now remember that. 7 o'clock next time we come back together. Amen? Do we have any more announcements? Brother Willie.